handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome into another edition of Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jake Galley here with my man, James Jackson. Uh, no Jewel Schmitz today. She's out for a good cause at the Phillies game, raising money uh, for someone diagnosed with MS. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But miss you, Jewel. Yeah, we miss you, Jewel. This past week in sports, the Toronto Raptors eliminate the Milwaukee Bucks to advance to their first NBA Finals ever. The Lakers hire Frank Vogel as their new coach. The Astros shortstop Carlos Correa was placed on the four to six week IL with fractured ribs. Philly center fielder Odubel Herrera arrested this past weekend in Atlantic City for shame. domestic violence. It shame. is a shame. The Boston Bruins came back in game one to beat the Blues in game one of uh, the Stanley Cup Finals. By the way, the Blues 0-13 all-time in Stanley Cup Final games. That's Blues indeed. Yeah, speaking of Blue, Chelsea wins the Europa League title as well. That's right, and here comes a fact straight at you from the Diamond. On Sunday, this past Sunday, the second most home runs ever hit in a single day in MLB history. It's really seen, Jake, the rise of the long ball Mm -hmm. uh, this year for the MLB. On pace this season to have the most home runs hit in a single season in MLB history. So let me ask you this. Do more home runs make the game more exciting, even though the trade-off is you're getting more strikeouts? Yeah, well, that's that's at least the thought behind it. I mean, really, you go around and look at all sports. Like, even in football, that they're, they're trying to make they're rules. Scoring so up, Right, yeah. scoring up. In the NBA, they shoot more three-pointers. In NHL, they're looking to reduce the size of goalies' pads. So scoring, I think, pretty clearly uh, brings in people to watch, or at least that is the thought. I don't know if it's the right way to go with the MLB. Uh, a lot of their fans are traditionalists. Mm-hmm. They like the old. They like, I think it was Mike Schmidt said, you know, the perfect swing is uh, is when you line drive the ball. You drive through it, go straight back where it came from. Uh, and a lot of the time what they're teaching now is these uppercut swings, get as much lift on the ball and it, it plays back into, like, advanced analytics. Well, because when, especially the advanced analytics side, it's mainly to beat the shift because if you're a pull ball hitter, it's easier to teach someone to hit under the ball to get it up in the air than it is to try to teach them to go opposite field on, like, an inside pitch. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to happen. Um, and for what it's worth, uh, I don't know if, if the trade-off is worth it because – at the same time as we're on pace for the most home runs in a single season, we're on pace for the most strikeouts in a single season. And it speaks to exactly what you were just talking about, those kind of swings, because when you uppercut on a swing, you're either going to get most of the ball or just straight none mm-hmm. of the ball, especially when you're when you're trying to hit off-speed pitches. You're just going to swing and miss and whiff. Um, we, have, we are seeing a lot more home runs, and I guess it makes the game more exciting. But if you're like someone who loves the game of baseball like me, you appreciate a single and a double just as much as you appreciate a home run. Yeah, and well, it's funny because back in the day, it was the players juicing Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, all huge home Some run hitters. Some people say that's like the best era in baseball when people were using steroids. Right, and now nowadays there's alleged juicing of the baseball rather mm-hmm. than the juicing of the players. Now they said, okay, that's illegal. Now apparently they've... they've altered the way that a ball is made. A lot of players think so. Um, what the MLB says is that they, or independent analyzers, excuse me, said that the baseball uh, was altered to remove drag, so meaning like resistance. I, I guess. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I'm not physics. Uh, I'm a journalist. So what that seems to me is that they are trying to get the ball to right. travel more seamlessly and, through the air. In and layman's and, terms, they put rubber in the middle of the ball to make it jump. <laughs> right, yeah. So like, it's illegal for players to juice, but it's not illegal for the MLB to just juice their baseballs yeah. to make it fly out of the park. And, and like, you look all around the league, and you see guys who – I mean, someone, for instance, Derek Dietrich 
um, on the Reds. His last six hits while we're recording this uh, on, what's today's date? Wednesday the 29th, his last six hits have been home runs. Mm-hmm. Three home run game is last And he game. had a three home run game just the other night. Uh, up until this point, he had like 60 career home runs. Mm-hmm. So now he's hitting one about every 6.8 at bat. Which is ridiculous. Which is like, right, it, it's, it's not it's, sustainable. It's basically one every other game you're hitting, mm-hmm. you're hitting a home run. So either we're going to find out that Derek Dietrich is a juicer, or this is just the new norm where guys will get hot with that uppercut swing, and all of a sudden you look up and they have 17 home runs. By the way, last season he had 16. Right, well, He has 17 already. It's, it, it also changes the way you look at defense. It changes the way you look at pitchers' ERAs, uh, their hits given up, their home runs given up, and where you got to put players in the outfield or, or even on the field in general. You can pretty much hide a, someone who's a really good offensive player and not a great defensive player because most of the time they're not going to be asked to display the best kind of defensive skills because the ball's going to be either staying in the catcher's mitt or flying over their heads. Yeah, and now to talk a little bit more about just the league as a whole, the Dodgers, favorite to win uh, the NL for the third straight season. They certainly capitalize off the long ball. Cody Bellinger can really mm-hmm. serve. We talked about him uh, last episode. He was He's been – a phenomenal player for them, really capitalizing on that. Right, and not not only leads the MLB in, in basically, or at least the National League in basically every offensive category, but he's doing it on the defensive side of the ball too. Uh, his last game on Sunday night, um, he had two defensive plays, two outfield assists that were just spectacular. The first one was on a little ground ball single up through the right side, and he got somebody at home, uh, got Michael Conforto at home against the Mets. And then the third one was a, like a sky-high fly ball, and he does perfect way of circling the ball and then comes back, uh, crow hops, and gets, like, I-, I mean, a laser beam throw to third base and gets Carlos Gomez Well, what's crazy, they have him in right, correct? Uh-huh. He's played all over the place. He's played right. short, center field, I remember, base. like, not too long ago, it was Yaziel Puig doing that. Mm-hmm. He was gunning people down from right field. They're a really exciting team. They're trying to become the first team since the 1923 Yankees to make the World Series after losing the previous two World Series. Uh, you know, with Magic Johnson involved, it's been a clear, clear... Uh, goal of theirs to spend money, make them a very competitive team. Mm. Speaking of spending money, uh, there are still a few notable free agents somehow floating around out there. It's just the way the MLB is nowadays. Uh, I just don't get it. Uh, And a lot of the rumors are that once the MLB draft passes, uh, there won't be picks tied to players and it'll be a lot cleaner. And now we might see guys like Keuchel, like Kimbrell go. Where do you think could be a possible home for one of those guys. I mean, I know for biasly, I really like <laughs> like if you look at the Philadelphia Phillies, the clear void in their team is the back end of that bullpen. Now, to to be fair, the Phillies bullpen, especially from from Philadelphia Phillies fans, gets a lot more flack than it should. Like the bullpen is one of the best bullpens in the NL because when they're good, they're good, but when they're bad, they are very bad. Yeah. And they have four people on that bullpen right now that are injured, most notably uh, David Robertson, who they spent money for in the offseason, and then Pat Neshek, who was an All Star a couple years ago, and he's one of the best out of their bullpen. So they like, I think they just need to get on the phone with with Craig Kimball. Matt Klintag just needs to get that response out to him and say, hey, we're willing to have you. We need you. And I also saw that Dallas Keiko is willing to come down uh, on his price tag yeah. to play on a team. Well, I mean, at this point, what's he going to do, right? right. You hold, you're held out for too long. <laughs> no one no one's wanna, wants to pay that price tag. So now you you got to find a home. Um, and it, it's coming to the point where you either got to adjust your price tag or teams are just going to figure out how to move without you in their lineup and just try to figure it out themselves. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. I, I, I don't think I can remember a time where those two big of guys, those two big names, I mean, were, 
we're pretty pretty well into the season now, and right. they're still floating around out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because where they land. Well, because they're not a Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado, or Nolan Arenado, right? Like it's like like people teams find closers. Like the Phillies, guess, the right. Phillies kind of found Sir Anthony Dominguez, and now and Hector, Hector Neris, Neris too. Yeah, or are playing pretty well. So as long as they keep playing, keep producing, if they pitch like they did last night, the Phillies are going to continue to hold off on Craig Kimbrell. But I think it gets as it gets into these dog days of late July, August, early September, and as it comes to a playoff push, you need someone who's proven, like Craig Kimball, to go out and be lights out as he did for the Red Sox last year. Yeah. All right, and before we move into the NBA now, here is a quick word about the upcoming giveaway we're doing. Hey, Jake, you know that long ball we're talking about? There's mm-hmm. a great place to watch it, and that's our hometown Philadelphia Phillies. We're mm-hmm. actually going to give away two tickets to a Phillies game on June 9th. Um, against the against the Cincinnati Reds. You want to tell them about what they need to do to get these tickets? Yeah, absolutely. It's very simple. All you have to do is go to our social media. We'll have a post on there on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to enter twice, all you have to do is go to Straight Facts Pod. And the way you spell that is S-T-R-8 Facts underscore pod on Instagram and on Twitter. All you have to do is be following us, like the post, and tag three of your friends mm-hmm. in there, and you'll be entered in twice if you do it on both right. to win a pair of Phillies tickets again. June 9th, it'll be a ton of fun. Phillies always fun facing off against the Reds. Against is it? the Reds should be a good team against that Derek Dietrich that we were just yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, you so you talk might, about a long ball. You might see some home runs, and I know some of y'all are greedy out there, so I know some of you guys want to enter in this twice, and you better, because if not, me and Jake are going to enjoy a nice Phillies game. Yep, tune in. All right, transitioning from the diamond to the hardwood. Now, the NBA announced it's all NBA teams, it's NBA accolades this past week. And I got to say, like, there was some, there's a pretty big controversy around this. Um, so why don't we go through each of them and we'll talk about what we had um, and what we agree and disagree with. So the first team right now, first team all NBA goes forward Giannis Antetokounmpo, Paul George, center Nikola Jokic, and then the guards James Harden and Steph Curry. I mean, I think it was a pretty good list, but then you have people like Kevin Durant on the second team, Embiid on the second team, um, Kemba over people like Bradley Beal, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Klay Thompson. Do you agree with that first team All-NBA? It's really tough because it's like how much emphasis do you put on counting stats and like circumstantial stuff like Jokic, for example – uh, being a Sixers fan, I'm a huge proponent of Joel Embiid, obviously. Uh, I think that he deserves to be on the first team solely because he played more games and his team was better, and they have about the same statistics. Uh, and for that reason, Jokic will be put on the first team, despite Embiid might be a better player overall. Like, if I was choosing for one game, I'd, I'd probably choose Joel Embiid. But in the scope of a season and looking at how they decide these teams, I think that's fair. And it's like the same thing goes for Paul George over Durant. Well, I mean, I, I might go I might go Jokic because um, he's been a little bit of a bigger factor on his team. I know that probably goes more into MVP than you're talking about first team. But you can't argue with statistics. You can't argue with the fact that he was on the court more than Joel Embiid. If you're on the court more, then how are you going to give someone who's injury who's injured and off the court more uh first team over someone who's, who's been there for most of the season like you can't well right that, that's what plays in a better conference too and, and put his team with the with the number two Here, here's all i'll say about this if don't you, be biased don't if be you, bi- were, you really can't get by this Joel and beat thing just because you're a Sixers fan. Hey, well, I, I really i'll ask sure. you this if Jokic was as bad or excuse me if Embiid was as bad 
on offense as Jokic is on defense, he wouldn't have made any team. Jokic doesn't play much defense. And that's, that's But Jokic didn't make it all NBA defensive team. Okay, that's all you have to know. As a center, I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. He's a great it's player. I'm not going to take. It's an I'm not going to take anything league, away. And, and Jokic how about you look was at, amazing. How, how about you look at the stats when they match up? Okay, how about that? I mean, the, to your point, if we're going to go all the way down this list, that it's probably the first team probably all should be shifted to the second team. Then <laughs> if we're going to go on matchup, especially when you're talking about like Dame Lillard versus Steph Curry and all like on all of that. Well, and it's even funnier now looking like Kawhi's on the second team with Giannis on the first team where. You watch the last couple games of that series, uh, it, it's pretty evident who should be first and second team. Well, this is this is why these like I have a huge problem with these type of awards being like only regular season awards like voted on before the playoffs started. Um, because especially when you're talking about like forget the all the all teams, all defensive, all NBA. Let's look at like like defensive player of the year and especially the MVP award. Like if you if I asked you right now, right in this time. Who is the MVP of the NBA? There's pretty much one answer. You want me to say LeBron, but I'm no, not. No, 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 no. I don't want you to say LeBron. Well, LeBron's always the most important player. Of course. But most that's valuable a player is it's Giannis. Kawhi. No, it is Kawhi. Listen. It's Giannis. No, it's not. In the regular because, season. Because who, who are the three? It's the same thing that we were just the, talking about with Embiid. The three, the three M- MVP finalists are all seen as three players who kind of, like, crapped out in the playoffs, who, who kind of fell a little bit short. Right. This year, at least. This, right. this year, right. at least. And... The person who is definitively the best player in these playoffs left, the re- the sole reason his team is headed to the first ever finals in their franchise history, isn't even an MB- MVP finalist. No, 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 because if, if, like, I get at the end of the regular season, probably Kawhi wasn't in that list, but if you're going to tell me right now through regular season and playoffs that Kawhi isn't well, so an MVP, get, like, that, that's, re- that's ridiculous straight, to me. So are you petitioning that they should either add a, one for the postseason or would you be, rather just have it be all inclusive? Because all I, inclusive. Nah, should, I don't think that's fair though. How is that fair to Kemba Walker? His teammates suck. He's one of the best guards in the league. Is Kemba and Walker an MVP candidate? No. Walk, well, but for the first and third teams as well. You were saying that with with Kawhi Leonard and I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not saying if you don't make the playoffs. Even with if you're an MVP candidate, like for an MVP candidate, you can't tell me there's an MVP. A legit. That's why MVP. they have a Finals MVP. You legit kept Finals MVP. There's three series before you get to the finals. Like, it, it shouldn't, like, like the playoffs shouldn't be maybe as big of an indicator as the regular season, but you can't just discount the playoffs altogether. It's the biggest stage. It's where the biggest See, I don't necessarily disagree with In the biggest you. stage. Right, I, I agree with you, but, and, and this is actually something that Adam Silver had touched on. Uh, he's They were reviewing a couple different changes that they might want to make to the NBA format, essentially all centered around the idea that we play 82 games, we play well into the summer, there should be more than just one prize for people to win. Uh, a couple of those ideas were like have a midseason tournament where the league just stops. Mm, this isn't this isn't like they, to, UEFA soccer. Yep, right and now. that's We're what they wanted that. to model it after. Maybe you, maybe if you go barking up that tree, maybe you'll have some success with your with your newfound. Uh, Look, MVP all I'm candidate. saying is we're gonna get an MVP from someone who fell short of the ultimate expectation and the ultimate goal of. Getting to the finals and what was Russ? Look, what when when Russ won? When most okay, of them, even, when most even, of them win. even more to you're you're just aiding my point right now. This is all just aiding my point. But even, I'm saying that even that's the, the one it's always been. even the one who probably should win it in Giannis or who's going to win it in Giannis fell short in the last two games of his yeah. series. Got just completely. Well, and it's funny because a lot of the times for uh, 
And uh, for MVP, they won't choose a guy who they've been repetitive, like LeBron, essentially, voter fatigue. Right. Where So a lot of the guys who are up for MVP are there because they're kind of fresh faces. Mm-hmm. And what happens to fresh faces in the playoffs? They crapped out. Well, it's, it's changed. So they, they should either uh, adjust the way they vote for the MVP or make it a new award. Make it Because you know how in NCAA tournament, it's not MVP, it's most outstanding player. Mm-hmm. Make it that. Or or best breakout season or something like that because that's truly what it is. It's who had the the biggest breakout of a season this year, not necessarily who's the most valuable to their team. Because we know if it's truly voting on who's the most valuable to their team for the past eight years, you can't tell me there's a person more valuable to their team than LeBron James. Yeah, well, and this year he he went through some injuries for like. It was first still probably the ever. most valuable person. And still, <laughs> right? On his and team. You, you could make the case. We'll see next year. He'll be competitive next year, but. Moving along to the all-NBA defensive teams. Uh, first team goes Rudy Gobert, Paul George, Giannis, and now here, here's where it gets a little funny, Marcus Smart and Eric Bledsoe. Okay, first of all, let me say something. I didn't hear not one big praise about Eric Bledsoe's defense this year. No. Not, well, not, not, not. when you can't shoot in, the, in a playoff series, I guess you have to bring something to the team, but... Yeah, I guess. Right. Like, like I guess. But then read off the second team because I'm taking the second team over right. the first the, team. The second team kind of sounds like an all NBA team. Right. Drew Holiday, Clay Thompson, Joel at center, Draymond Green, Kawhi. Leonard. You have four of the best NBA, four of the best defenders in the NBA on the second team yeah. in Clay, Draymond, uh, Joel, and Kawhi. And those, and on the first team, Rudy Gobert, Paul George. Giannis, I believe those are the guys, or at least Giannis and Gobert were the guy, two of the guys up for Defensive Player of the Year. Again, it, all three, all, those, those, those three like, right there, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, It does Giannis. kind of seem like it is like a recency bias yeah. almost. Like if you are new, if you're a new face and you're really good at something, you're going to make it over a guy who's been doing it year after year. That second team Paul, between Paul MB. George, I get. Paul George led the league in steals. Uh, had a career. And he high, also is a career good. Defender. Had a had a career high in blocks too. I can see that. Rudy Gobert, they might would have appeased him because he cried at the All Star voting. <laughs> um, and I guess I guess Giannis is more of like a presence than statistics can back. Like you know, cr- you know, you try to drive on Giannis and just stuff just doesn't. Or if go he's well. not even on the ball, like you you think you have a nice little dump off pass in the paint, and all of a sudden he comes weak a side. A six foot arm comes out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Um, we can also transition to the all-rookie team um, because someone who uh, people expected to make this all-rookie team and did not make it, Miles Bridges, um, came out and said that he he didn't deserve to make the all-rookie team because he played, and I quote, like ass all year. You agree with Miles Bridges and what he, his assessment of himself? Uh, he's being a little hard on himself. I don't think he played like ass. Like, as a rookie, you're the worst you're ever going to be. Right. Um, and I think that he does have potential to be a very good player. Well, there's, some uh, people that, probably... that, there's some people that statement's not true. There's some well, people who are the best <laughs> rookie here. I, I guess that's, that's a shame. I guess that's true. And that's not a good thing. That's, not that's a usually a bad thing. That's so th- those teams, by the way, first team goes Luka Doncic, Trey Young, DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson, and Marvin Bagley, if I believe uh, that's the top five picks mm-hmm. uh, from this year's draft. And then the second team, it's a little bit different. Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Colin Sexton, Landry Shamit, Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Herter. All those guys are kind of sprinkled in all throughout the back half of the Yeah, draft. well, except for Colin Sexton. I don't, right, even know if Colin, Sexton. I don't even know if Colin Sexton really deserves to be on the second team. Well, he just yeah. got so many looks. He's on a stinky Cavs team. Right, and I, like, I guess, and there were times where Colin Sexton struggled mightily this season. I mean, you heard like Shannon Fry and other people from the Cavs organization come out and say, this, this kid doesn't know how to play basketball. Like, he's just he's <laughs> just all energy and all hype. Probably kind of the same thing people were, might have been saying about like Russ coming out. He's just so excited and so energized. He's like the little puppy uh, 
out on the court who just wants to run around and make stuff happen without really thinking about the game first. Right, game's going 100 miles per hour. And, and slowing it down. Yeah. Um, the Clippers have two players on the all-rookie second team, and they should, um, especially Landry Shamit, who, if you're a Sixers fan, you saw him up close and personal before he went to L.A. and is developing into one of the best shooters in the NBA. Yeah, and, and so the big difference with these two teams, like first team, those guys, at least the ones that are listed this year, uh, are expected to be franchise-altering stars. For the second team, those are guys, I looked down that list, all of them are guys who will take a competitive team like the Clippers and just bump them up to an over-the-top right. team. Give like them that the, little nacho. Right, more role players in the second team. And that's okay. Like you said, Landry Shamit in a couple years will be one of the best contracts in the league. Mm-hmm. He's going to be one of the – he's already a, a really good shooter, and he's going to be on a contract that's paying him pennies. Uh, Mitchell I mean, Robinson's another against guy. Against game one against the Warriors, we broke the rookie record for most threes in a, in a playoff game, correct? Like eight mm-hmm. threes in a playoff yeah, game. Yeah, and he, like he was that. pretty instrumental in one of their wins. A guy who I'm glad is getting shine is Kevin Herter. What they call him, what they call him Red Rocket or something. The, something like the, the, the Red, Ma- oh, Red Mamba or something Red like Mamba. that. I think it might be Red Mamba. Red Mamba uh, on the Atlanta Hawks guy out of Maryland, a straight shooter. And it's a guy that Hawks fans were like praising a, so much during the regular season. Didn't get a whole lot of national shine, but was a really good player for those Hawks. Well, and the Hawks are kind of developing their team almost as like a mini Warriors. You have your pull-up shooting guard in Trey Young, who's phenomenal, and then Kevin Herter, who's just a big two-guard who can defend, he can shoot, he can go to the rim. Uh, I did like Herter coming out of the draft. I actually drafted him and traded him in my Dynasty Fantasy Basketball League. Well, there you go. Great GM move. Hey, I got Pascal Siakam, man. Pascal, he really pulled through. I got third place this year. You were loving Pascal Siakam. But, yeah, so Herder, Mitchell Robinson for the Knicks, uh, he has been a boon for them in the second round, a guy who had questions about his motor coming in, Mm -hmm. does he even like basketball. And he showed out. He was a A1 rim protector and a guy who, without Kristaps Porzingis, now is going to get a big share of, of the defensive load down there in the paint protecting the rim. Yeah, he he got aided from Kevin Knox's injury going out. Um, he Him and Alondra Cheer kind of became a little bit of the forefront of that Knicks team. When stuff started to go south, they didn't have to worry about anything much but just going out and playing their brand of basketball, just bringing energy and effort into the court each night, and that's what they did. Uh, moving back to Colin Sexton, uh, the reason why he probably landed on that second-team all-rookie is because he had a much better back half of mm-hmm. the season than he did the first half. The first half of the season, he was the first 53 games, he was averaging 14-3-3 on 40% shooting, which is when around the times of him not knowing how to play basketball really come in. Uh, after that, after the All-Star break, he kind of bounced back in his last 29 games, 21-3-3. I mean, his points, the only thing that gone went up on 47% shooting. So not like monumental uh, improvement, but improvement nonetheless, enough to land you on the second team yeah. all-rookie. Absolutely, and enough of those accolades. How about the accolade that really matters? The NBA Finals coming up, Warriors versus Raptors. It's uh, a weird finals, man. It I is just bizarre. Weird well, someone, someone said, like, what are the chances that um, there's two national anthems in the NBA Finals and only one national anthem being played in the Stanley er, in the Stanley Cup Finals, meaning right. there's, there's a, Canadian a Canadian team here. There's not a Canadian team there. Uh, the Raptors, though. Oh, Canada is a really it's, – it's a subpar national anthem, too, if, right, I, will, if I say I'm it. sorry for that comment, Canada. It but, is. <laughs> but I'm Durant sorry, Canada. already announced out for game one. That's okay, though. The Warriors are 31-1 and in their last 32 games with Steph. 
but not KD. I think it's a little bit of, like, that we may not bring KD back until we lose a game. Like, why why mess up our chemistry and what we got going on? They've they've unlocked Steph Curry. They've unlocked playoff Steph Curry. Yeah. In, the, in those last four games against Portland, they unlocked him. So why, why fix it if it ain't broken? Well, like KD's like. <laughs> <laughs> we go back and forth with this because, like, yes, they look better, and specifically Steph, Draymond, Clay, that core, that original core, they do look better, but – I mean, I, I don't. The last three years with Curry and Durant both on the court, the Warriors are fifteen point two um, per one hundred possessions, compared to plus eleven point eight per one hundred possessions with Curry, but no Durant. So they are slightly better with both of them. Obviously, like that's not a like. I think the eye test gets people a little bit carried away mm-hmm. because yes, it's a beautiful brand of basketball, but. Sometimes you just have to rain hellfire, give the ball to Kevin Durant, and let him demolish whoever's in front of him. And look, we we were making this point off camera earlier. If you go back to playoffs and finals in the past, like the Warriors may be a harder team to guard, but they don't beat at least the 2017 Cavs without Kevin Durant. They don't beat them. They right. they just need someone to match the firepower of LeBron James. And they definitely don't beat the Rockets last year in the Western Conference Finals without Durant. If it's all on Steph Curry last year, Mm -hmm. the Rockets, even though CP3 goes down, the Rockets probably win either in Game 6 when CP goes down or they win in Game 7. Yeah, the Warriors have won at least one road game in their last 22 playoff series, and they are 18-1 in Game 1s under Steve Kerr. Uh, So Game 1's going to be in Toronto. For, I mean, this this will be really the chance. These first two games, if Toronto can take them, you really set yourself up. Right now, odds makers are only giving the Raptors a twenty seven percent chance to win. Is that how do you feel about that? I mean, I feel that's right because they, you know, they say the the series doesn't start until you know uh, a home team loses a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that happens in the first two games, then the series. It takes a turn for the worst. But we also said that for the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. No one really thought that they were going to come back down too well, and then they ended up winning four straight. So if, if they could take care of business at home and send send it back to Oracle with a 2-0 lead and really put the pressure, um, really put the pressure on the Warriors, it may also make them decide to play KD and or Boogie. Let's not forget that Boogie wants right. to try to come back. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Boogie it's wants to totally try to come back. and overlooked. I mean, granted, he wasn't. Like, they had a better uh, on-off split with him off the court. But just in terms of straight-up matchups, I mean, I guess you have Gasol guarding That's him. That's what I'm saying. I, I like, like Boogie may help them, not may not help them in, like, the transition up-pace game, but where he does help them is rebounding. Because um, when the Warriors bring players like Kavon Ludi um, into the game, like, it helps them rebound. But when the Raptors go big, like, the Raptors at some point are going to want to go big with both Ibaka and Gasol in the game. They had a lot of success si- with that. And up. Siakam, they get really long. Sixers, yeah. Right, they get really long. So that, that might, for the first time, the Warriors may find themselves on really the wrong end of that rebounding matchup, which they don't do. I mean, they got gifted. Uh, against the Rockets, they really had nobody else but Clint Capel to deal with. And then against the Blazers, they really had nobody else but Enos Cantor, who's not a great rebounder in the in, in itself, to deal with on the boards. Now they go up against a team who rebounds the ball really well. They, for the first time in a long time, the Warriors are facing somebody in the playoffs that may be just as fundamentally good as them. Yeah, and with that, so it's not exactly the two-big lineup that you were talking about, but Siakam in his own right is pretty long. And mm-hmm. in that Lowry, Green, Leonard, Siakam Gasol lineup that they usually run out there. They're plus 12.1 points per 100 possessions this postseason. It's been very effective. They've been very good, and obviously the main reason we've talked about it a lot is Kawhi Leonard probably having the best 
non-LeBron playoff Smart. run since Dwayne Wade, 31.2 points per game, 8.8 rebounds, 3.8 assists on 62.3 true shooting percentage. It's just insane. Uh, it, it's it, just it, insane. it really is beyond words. And then, of course, you tack on the two – or the, the couple of moments. I mean, you could. There's there's multiple moments from the Buck series, and then obviously the game winner against the Sixers etches his name in history. Uh, Kawhi, I thank Kawhi because <laughs> because he Kawhi. no not as a Sixers fan, just as an objective fan because it now contextualizes LeBron's, LeBron's dominance. It really does. Like someone was like, "Oh, this is he is he's better than LeBron. He's the most clutch ever." Like, and then you what go LeBron and break down did last year. year. I mean, he had eight forty. Plus point games. Uh, Kawhi has two in this run. Right. And then you look at the quality of team. Uh, LeBron's On Cavs my... should have barely have made the playoffs. without, And they didn't have Kevin Love. Right. That, I'm talking about the lineup without Kevin Love. Isn't really even a playoff team. No, it's um, a lottery team. <laughs> it's, a lotter- it's a straight lottery team. And he did it on like 60, like throughout the playoffs, did it on like 62% shooting. At one point, StatVat was filling me in. At one point, he was damn near into 70% shooting. He's like, that's like a center. That, that that's a, that's what a center shoots. Yeah. Um, so it really is putting in context how great of a run he had last year. But that's not to skip over what Kawhi is doing this year. And Kawhi is even shooting fifty five percent on long twos this postseason. The the quote unquote lost art in the NBA. Kawhi has found been it. eating there. And and it's something that the Warriors don't know how like aren't focused on guarding. They may now because they know that's where he's going. But they're great at guarding the interior and they're great at guarding the three point line. But no one is specialized with guarding that mid sized pick and roll. That pick and roll that happens at the foul line. Well, and, and the in and out game of the NBA now really emphasizes guarding the rim or mm-hmm. guarding the three, three point, point line, line, one or the other. They're like almost going to give you a long two, and if you're going to give they them, they do. A- they want you to shoot a contested long two is technically the worst shot in basketball, uh, according to the NBA advanced That's what I'm saying. analytics. At some point, like I and I say this all the time, like I know we're straight facts, and we and we harp on statistics and stuff but at some point you got to throw those analytics out the window and play basketball and know that if Kawhi is going to pull up for a foul line jay you must contest it like don't just give it to him or we'll live with that no you're gonna lose well you know who will contest it draymond green is gonna have him played to a t i think Mm -hmm. and and draymond is that the matchup you think the warriors give uh that that is the i think they go iggy first Right. I guess you do try. I, I think you're just you're just kind of fooling yourself if you really think you're going to be able to. Maybe you try and steal once once Durant comes back, try and steal a few minutes where neither Green or Durant has to guard him. Mm-hmm. I'd say when both of those two are in, it'll be or one Clay. of the two. Or Clay. Ah, uh, I don't or know. I, you don't want, but but Clay is okay expending that kind of energy on the defensive end. He's done it before. I get, and I mean, I guess so. The only thing I worry about is kind of how. I relate it to Jimmy Butler, another really good two-guard, a big two-guard who can defend. Got eaten alive by Kawhi. Mm-hmm. He would just take him down low, and that pick-and-roll happens down low. Um, and that was kind of the end of the story. Draymond Green, I, he said last week or two weeks ago he's the best defender in NBA history. I don't know if he's the best. He might be the smartest. Yeah, he's one of them. Like, if you don't think that he's going to key in on, oh, Kawhi doesn't leap off of his whatever leg is injured. I think it's his left leg is injured. I'm going to play him X, Y, Z. Oh, Kawhi's left, yeah. So that is really a breakdown that I want to watch happen. Um, they rank 
or the Raptors, this is ranked second this postseason with 18% of offensive possessions being fast break opportunities. Which is interesting because you got to really break down that stat because in the regular season, the mm-hmm. Raptors were one of the slowest paced teams in the NBA, would use most of the shot clock, didn't really love fast break opportunities. And in the playoffs, like they, they have ratcheted that up to the point where they're the second best team in transition. And I'm, I don't know the stat, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess, go on a limb and say the Warriors might be one, if not maybe the Bucks were one. But we know how good the Warriors are in transition. And those transition opportunities for the Warriors don't end up in twos. Yeah. They end up in threes, <laughs> which and is just is just mind-boggling. Another fun thing to watch will be the rides of Kyle Lowry now, the two winningest point guards of the last five years between Curry and Lowry. It's but that's little... insane to me. That's insane to me that Kyle Lowry is one of the top two winningest point guards left. His <laughs> teams the are the most winningest. <laughs> right. The, the, maybe not Kyle Lowry, not – Right, maybe not the the reason that he's the winning is, but that is interesting to see. Yeah, yeah uh, right. All star somehow. I don't. Uh, whatever. Well, we're, this is not the Kyle Lowry slam. First of all, yeah. No, first of all, you let me. I'm taking a thirty. My thirty. Listen, for I don't understand why Philly likes to hate Kyle Lowry. I don't. He's never done anything wrong. He's from Philly. Loves Villanova. Gives back to Villanova all the time. Plays the game with the one of the most. Um, intensity and and hearts that you'll see out on the court, willing to give his body up, willing to do the little things. Okay, he misses a bunch of shots here and there. But and Kyle, flops but viciously. Kyle, Kyle Lowry plays the game the right way. I'm behind you, Kyle Lowry. Go Nova, go Cats. As like, a Chris Paul can, fan, it's shocking you don't dislike him for flopping. You know? I almost threw this drink on you right yeah. now. Yeah. Don't I'm, ever I'm say sure that I'm sure Greg would love that all over the studio. Uh, whatever, for a Chris dog. Paul comment. Oh, hi, but that's all that we have for the NBA. We're going to move along into the crossover segment. So we were just talking about the NBA accolades. Yeah. Now, we have our own accolade. First team, all hype. I'll start it off Go with... Ahead. Explain it first, because you're about to come in with a hot one. So well, ex- okay, it. so the video game Red Dead Redemption 2 was one of the most anticipated video games in the last couple years. Extremely successful franchise. Uh, I was, personally, I played the first one, loved mm-hmm. it. Got the second one, and it turns out it's just a reskin GTA 5. Whoa. Same exact thing. Whoa. Uh, they were making changes to GTA like three weeks after they had released their brand new video game. They're still making changes and adding stuff to a game that was about six, seven years old when their brand new game just came out and they don't add anything in there. They just added, they actually just did add a bunch of stuff into the multiplayer. Maybe it'll change it around, but I, I think it flopped a Okay, little bit. Oh, 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 whoa. So that's what I was about to ask you. Now, just because it didn't live bit. up to its hype, does that mean it flopped? No, I mean, it, like, the like the story mode was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It was aesthetically pleasing, and there was a lot of interesting stuff that you could do. Uh, but in terms of the multiplayer, that kind of flopped. So I don't know if on a whole I could give it a flop as a whole, but maybe just, just the multiplayer. Team all hype. It's first team all oh, hype. Oh, first team all hype, 100%. All hype. You yep. want to talk about first team and all hype in the <laughs> same realm? Uh, I'm going to go the L.A. Lakers, and here's why: is because when they got LeBron, the amount of hype and media exposure that went to the Lakers probably unwarranted, probably like didn't deserve it because they still, outside of LeBron, still had a relatively young and mediocre team. But this is a team that people, me included, I will take this, that were saying with a full healthy LeBron, that's a playoff team. Not only is that a playoff team, that's like a top five Western Conference team. Now, the Jazz were the fifth team in the West. (laughs) So probably could have been better than the Jazz if LeBron was full healthy. But they didn't live up to their hype, man. They didn't live up to the attraction of people were saying they were going to bring Showtime back. 
and Magic Johnson being there, they they said that the promotion and um, marketing were gonna was gonna be at an all time high. They had Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholas hyped to be at Lakers games again, and then it just turned out to yeah. be, no, turned out to be nothing. Wayside. He had LeBron throwing the ball off the backboard on an inbound, and that's really all you need to know about the Lakers. Yeah, season. yeah, that definitely crashed and so burned all, for him. All, all hype, all hype. Yeah, another one is the Shazam movie or Shazam the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not like a huge DC comic guy, Shazam, superhero uh, in the DC realm. I hear Shazam and I think of the music app. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, he, so it, it looked like a pretty highly produced movie. Essentially, it's a kid who somehow gains powers and says Shazam and he turns into some big superhero. No, but it's not, the superhero isn't him. The superhero, like when he sh- says Shazam, so the superhero like comes out of the sky or so, it's supposed to be like a, an extension Case of Case in him. point, James, neither of us have seen the movie. Why? Because it flopped. It, it, it ranked on um, on Rotten Tomatoes as the second most anticipated movie of the year. And it goes ahead of stuff like Toy Story 4, Aladdin, mm-hmm. the live-action Lion King. Like, it goes ahead of movies that were some Pet Cemetery, Like, supposed to be, like, really high-anticipated movies. movies. And, like, I haven't heard one thing about Jazam. I mean, that just shows you what DC movies do for you, right? <laughs> like, if it's not Marvel, it's, it's nothing. Um <laughs> This next one for the fourth member of first team all hype. Um, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some backlash for this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The Chance song "Groceries." Like people were waiting for Chance hadn't dropped a major song, or he dropped that little four song EP mm. a couple years ago. But basically, since Coloring Book, Chance I think it was last year almost yeah. uh, coming up. Yeah, Chance, Chance hadn't dropped anything big since Coloring Book, so he's dropping a new album on July 17th, and the first um, single off of it is this song "Groceries." And look. The beat's hot. The production's hot. The flow is hot. Catchy. It's catchy. But when you break down the lyrics, bro, he's saying a bunch of stuff without saying anything. Traffic, traffic, trying to find my chapstick. Yeah, you, know you mean like Good one chance? You got like us. a bar. Oh, <laughs> like I don't understand. It's all. It's like you know how when Stephen A is on first take and he's yelling and people are amazed that he's able to go on a ten minute rant, basically saying the same thing over again, not not saying a bunch of stuff without saying anything at all. That's what grocery was to me. Like it. it Look, well, plus they got the little like dance challenge on social media. That's too, why, that but that's that's why Chance is smart. Like that's why the song is getting buzzed because you know, that's that that all ties into it. People are more hyped that it's Chance dropping a song than it is the actual song. Chance could have gone on that same beat and rapped the ABCs, and people would have been just as hyped. For yeah, it. well, you could say about a lot of rappers, but yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Probably. And the last one, closing out first team, all hype was the event of the year, or supposedly was supposed to be, Super Bowl 53. Uh, the matchup flop of, any, of, of, the, the matchup of McVay versus Belichick, new age versus old age, passing of the torch. The, uh, high, the best offense in the league in the Rams is supposed to be against the most experienced team of all time in the Patriots. Yeah, and, and what preceded was embarrassing, at least for the Rams. I mean, if you win, it's not that bad. Jared Goff. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, he just was just was built for that moment. Uh, uh, right. And Not and we even want to go a step further. The halftime show was supposed to be lit. People were kind of hyped for the halftime was show. Tra- it was five, Travis, five, Travis, Travis and, and, and Travis literally got on, did one verse of his most hyped song in single mode, and popped right out. And, they, they, and then I had to watch Adam Levine shirtless dry hump the air. Like I didn't like that. Don't forget where they pump faked everyone, thinking they're going to honor SpongeBob. Right. And they bring it in, and Yo, it's sick of it. Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> like that's why that's why the NFL is such a poorly run organization. Because for any other league, if you see that kind of traction on Twitter for calling it, like if if the NBA would have seen that, you couldn't tell me the bubble bowl wouldn't have come out in the halftime right. show. But the NFL yeah. is just like they barely got Travis out there. They barely had him 
he didn't even, he barely was rapping his song. Like, he barely had him practice for his performance. And, like, look, Super Bowl 53 was supposed to be the creme de la creme event, and a lot of people forget that it happened this year. Yeah, well, hopefully we get a better one next year. And we move on to the countdown, Jake, number five. Number of NBA franchises since 1970 who have won the NBA Finals in their first appearance. That is the 71 Bucks, the 77 Blazers, 91 Bulls, 99 Spurs, and 06 Heat. I'm going to tell you right now, the, the list 19 Raptors are not joining <laughs> list that stops list. Right there. The list stops there. Look, I would love to believe it. They might still game one, but at the end of the at the end of the day, experience matters, and they're just the Raptors are just not ready for what's about to ensue on that. <laughs> Agreed. Mm-hmm. Number four. Number four is the number of decades Shaq has had a teammate in the NBA Finals. That goes from 1984 to the present. Now, I don't know if this if this points to that Shaq has been on great teams or has played with great players, but it just shows you how experienced in the NBA Shaq was. Like, he played for, like, eight, nine different right, franchises. played with a bunch of different teams. And, I mean, a lot of it comes, I think, when he was on the Lakers, they had, like, Carl Malone, they had Gary Payton, yeah. like, guys who were past their prime but were formerly really good players. Mm-hmm. So that's where he gets back into, like, the 80s and stuff. Right. This um, most recent one is Danny Green, who he played with on the 2012 Cavs. Something like that. 2010 Cavs. 2010 Cavs, says Matt. Um, so this is his latest one. And I don't – who knows if there's going to be more? Probably not. But it's just to show you how, how great of an NBA journeyman Shaq was. Yeah. All right, number three. Number of World Cups the U.S. women's national team has won. They're going for four. Yeah, 91, 99, 15, and 19. You can book it. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ladies can really play some soccer. Shout out Julie Ertz, uh, mm-hmm. wife of my favorite team's best tight end, Zach Ertz. Probably but Abby Wambach also making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, they're a very dominant team. And and Alex Morgan coming off of, she's been a little injury plagued the last couple of years and is coming back and reemerged as the best forward in the world. And they really only have, I mean, you look at their group, they're going to make it out the group stage without a blemish. Like, the, the only team that's, like, remotely close to them is Switzerland, and they might take care of Switzerland with the ease. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Number two. Number two is the number of seasons until the new or until the current NFL CBA collective bargaining agreement expires until they get a new one. And I'm hearing a lot of clamoring that people should just prepare for a lockout. Uh, we already know how bad the NFL is run. And uh, look, if if <laughs> the NFL wants to get any worse, they should not get to this collective bargaining agreement. Uh, without arbitrary. I mean, they and love this, don't they? They, they, they just love the delaying. They love fighting. Well, I mean, it's the most lucrative league. I understand you want to fight for your money, but, like, all the other leagues seem to be able to avoid lockouts yeah. consistently. I mean, they had a lockout, but it was they, they it was only half a season lockout. They got back into it. So right. Like, and it doesn't happen often with the NFL. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like it happens often. All right, let's go. Number one. Number of days it took for Bronny Jr., LeBron James' son, to reach 1 million followers on Instagram. That's a pretty quick come up. Yeah. Uh, he also went wild. <laughs> he uh, might have got his IG privileges revoked oh, yeah, as soon as he quick. got him going wild. Look, we've all been there. We've all been a 14-year-old, 15-year-old. I remember when my dad finally got my MySpace. Uh, remember MySpace? I never had it. My parents didn't let my me da- have one. My, my dad didn't let me get a MySpace for the longest time. He let me get it literally as MySpace was dying and Facebook was coming in, into um, into its own. And, I look, I had a little week, two-week stretch while I was wilding out on MySpace. Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, as a young kid, too, you have a million followers. I can't even imagine what and that's he's like. And he's the most exposed 14-year-old. I mean, he has BR Kicks following him through his AAU. Of course. I mean, he's journey. LeBron's son. I you mean, know what I mean? And he's just going to get that. Yep. Uh, but that's all the time we have for this episode. We're going to go to At The Buzzer. Jake, anything to say at The Buzzer? Yeah, so I'll plug Jewel right now is out trying to raise money for Spike's Wolfpack. Uh, it's through the MS Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the brother, I believe, Spike. Clark is the brother of John Clark, who is on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Um, he's a well-known face. They're trying to raise money. You can go on to Walk MS. Uh, Newtown 2019 is the place that you can donate. Look up Spike's Wolf Pack, and you'll be able to find that there. It's a great cause. Uh, right. Um, that is a great cause. And, Jewel, I'm so happy that you're out supporting something like that. Be sure to rep straight facts when you're out there. But just a great thing that she's a part of. I have something a little less serious and just, you know, an overall complaint of mine. Um, so I was at Giant this past week mm-hmm. um, just going to pick up, you know, some milk. I'm looking down at my phone as I'm walking, and I run into oh, something. Don't tell me. I run, I run into something, and I look up, and a six foot seven black <laughs> robot is staring me in the face. And I, at first, I didn't know what it was. I've never seen this thing before. Right, almost Kawhi Leonard staring me in the face. But I've never seen this thing before. And then, so I'm thinking it's just like a random pole, and then it starts moving. Mm. It starts moving and making these little, mm -mm, like, robot noises. It's And then I learned it's supposed to be something that cleans the floor. So I guess that they don't have to pay somebody to do that. They don't have a janitor. But, look, all I'm going to say is this. As these technological advances keep happening, I will remind everybody about a simple movie in 2005 (laughs) from one Will Smith. Named iRobot. He tried mm. to warn us, if we keep moving down this path, y'all y'all can go and, and have fun with these robots. I will be in a bunker somewhere for when these things inevitably turn on the human race. You should race. see where, how they treat them. It's like they'll get in someone's way and they'll just shove it shove in the corner. Stupid robot. That's get what in I it. did. I'm pretty sure I kicked it. And just remember that it will remember that during the uprising. That's what I'm saying. But that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. For my partner, Joel Smith, who's not here, and my partner, Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up.